Wow. I don't know, man. Here we are again. Welcome back. Welcome back to Fresh Air with this week's guest. Uh, Terry Gross is out this week. <laughs> we'll Steve. be interviewing Terry Gross. <laughs> Terry will be inter- interviewing the absence of Terry Gross. <laughs> Terry, what is it about you? She's not going to budge. She's a professional. <laughs> She's union. <laughs> Come on. Speaking of unions. She doesn't speak. My sister's union voted to authorize a strike. Cool. Where's your sister work? IATSE. The ah. International Alliance of Theater and Stage Employees. Oh, cool. You may oh, have yeah. heard about this. I did. I saw yeah. people sharing it, like Adam Conover and the su- friend of the pod, yes. Adam Conover. Yeah. If you like movies and television, as we do somewhat on this movie and television podcast, uh, know that their employees are treated like garbage. Even the union one. And on that note, corporate shill Laura Dern will be hosting the Academy, a night at the Academy Museum with <laughs> Tom Hanks. Upcoming. We'll talk about it later. No, she also posted about it. You know, she shills, but she also cares. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the best shill of all. Where you just say, I care. <laughs> I, I care sure so much. Sure you do, much. Laura. Come on. Your ivory tower. She lives in a modest house. She does not. No, she doesn't. She lives in a mansion. A manse. A manse. She has serfs. A baseball lot of people money. don't know this. Baseball money bought that house. <laughs> Ex-husband baseball money. And Jurassic Park. And to a lesser extent, Rambling Rose, which we'll cover next week. And, like, the goop stuff. Mm, yes, goop. Goop. Goopy candle. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, welcome to Dern After Dern Reading. Dern After Reading. Here we are, back again, on a porch in West Philly. We've done it. You know, We're surrounded by cats. We are. There's two of them. They're pretty good. Mama and Garfield, too. <laughs> My sister wants to name her Cheeto, but I'm not budging. Garfield, too's the name. It's better. Objectively. But yeah, you know, chilling. <laughs> All orange cats should just be named Garfield, followed by a number. Yeah, just like George Foreman named all his sons George 1 through, I don't know, 12? 36. That's a lot of kids. He's not Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder has a lot of kids. Facts. Um, hmm. <laughs> also, weirdly enough, all named George. Blind. <laughs> oh, they're all blind. It's part of the deal. Um, I found a new word I like in the interim between our recordings. I'm going to say roughly a month. Yeah, because I feel the last time we recorded was right before Willie Nelson, right? Yes. Uh, well, goo-gaws. Goo-gaws. Great word. Great word. Great word. It's like, Bobble, you know, like baubles. Yeah, baubles. Um, tchotchkes. Tchotchkes. Um, you know, I was thinking, I had a whole list of them prepared, and now I can't think of anything past tchotchkes. Goo-gaws, baubles, um, doodads. Yeah, all, all the wares you pedal. Yes, I, I do pedal wares. I feel like I haven't talked about that. Yeah, do you want to give a show. shout out? Well, give listener, a plug? dear, dear devoted listener, um, I do a thing online where I buy stuff and resell it, like weird things, antiques. I have a desk. If you want a desk, call me. Um, yeah, it's called Filthy Finds on Instagram. I might want the desk. Hey, it's in there if you want it. We'll, we'll take I'll a look. Give it to you for less money than I was asking the general public for. Ooh. Hear one, that? One dollar. Perks less. of being yeah, a podcast. You know the pod, you friend of the pod, you get a discount. Adam Conover, call me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's spooky time. Things are going good. It's busy, very busy. I have two weddings this week. Really? Yeah. Congratulations. I know. I'm getting married twice. I, I don't know how I pulled it off, but do they know about one another? No. No. Are you insane? It would never work. <laughs> I've built built a steady home on lies. Two weddings. The real tricky wow. part is we only have one apartment, so it's a lot of very clever <laughs> choreographed Flintstonian movements. antics. Yes. <laughs> uh, like <laughs> those TikToks where people like hide the person they were cheating on their girlfriend with with like a blanket and like move them out the door as the other person's coming in. I'm unfamiliar with this me, genre. Of me TikTok. and my boss have started getting a lot of weird, um, like videos on instagram reels he gets a lot of like the weird like edited video disaster ones with like a giant shark and like a wave and the song is like ah, it's like a bollywood song he's showed me so many they're really weird the internet confounds me isn't it though 
What is it all? Oh, man. I guess I have one other thing I can bring up. Why save it for Between the Derns? Yeah. Let's blow our load now. I was meeting some friends for dinner a few weeks ago, and I got there early, and I didn't have anything to do, so I went to um, the Dandelion, a very nice British pub and restaurant owned by local evil millionaire Stephen Starr. And I sat at the bar, and this lady started talking to me, and we had a nice conversation. Her name was Jessica Howell. She works for Gojo. She uh, puts Wait, hands... You just I, I put it in there, Shout out met these her. random yeah. people, like, she oh, was, by the way, I'm going to tell my podcast She was really about nice. She, we talked about all the stuff, tattoos. I gave her some pointers on the city. She said she met Adam Sandler, because he's been in the city for the last year. Uh, but yeah, she was really nice. She, she installs the hand sanitizer pumps and stuff in hospitals. Wow. She was showing me her work, which is just, like, pictures of a thousand walls jessica thank you for your yes, service thank you you are a front line here uh, let's 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 give a shout out to our secondary responders um <laughs> the guys that haul around porta potties for construction sites they didn't stop working nope. um the toilet paper quality control tester yeah the guy um those two fat twins on the motorcycles from the guinness world record book they're in there they didn't stop uh who else who else got us through covid um laura dern yeah a little bit um people that work at Krispy Kreme. they're always making fresh donuts that must be so stressful i couldn't handle it it's like working at a diner they have spaghetti and tacos but and if I the diner only sold donuts That'd be weird. And, like, instead of tables, there was just one place you would go? I don't think anyone would go there. Like a counter? Wait, people do go there. They're donut shops. Yes. Oh, my God. These are, yeah. Wow. Crack the code. So, one last thing. <laughs> Please. You're familiar with the film Blackula, yes? No. Oh, you're not? It's, <laughs> no. What it's, are these? Well, I mean, as you can tell from the name, it is Black Dracula. It was, like, a black exploitation film from the 70s, I'm going to say, and, you know, it's pretty good. It's cool. Um, they did make a sequel, but I propose they make a new sequel. Like, you know, they're bringing everything back. And it's going to star Scott Bakula. It's, he's not going to play Blackula, but he's going to... He's, he'll, he'll play Dracula, and then in it Blackula will be like... Shut up. We're, well, I'm getting there. Is this just a dream? So, a so who, dream of dream yours? Cast, who would play Blackula now? I guess you could have it be a woman. That'd be cool. A G- white Janelle woman? Monet. Kate, Kate no. McKinnon. No, no, no. <laughs> Janelle Monet, let's say. And of course, it'll be Scott back. <laughs> it'll Scott be Blackula Two, Blackula's Bacula, featuring Scott, Scott Bacula. Yes. Thank you. I've been talking about this a lot lately. People are really worried for me. I think an intervention is on the way. Yeah. I'm par- I haven't slept in days. <laughs> I'm on a bender of pure, pure um, intrusive thought. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's my life. I took a I took a personality test the other day. <laughs> guess what percentage neurotic I am? I'm gonna guess in the seventies. <laughs> it was it must have been a rough day. <laughs> <laughs> More higher. Your 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 esteemed co-host is ninety one percent neurotic. Good lord! You're like Woody Allen without all the bad stuff. <laughs> you know, directing. Yep. Being in a jazz band, a Dixieland jazz band. Is he really? Yeah. Ew. Like up until the pandemic, I think he once a week played in a Dixieland jazz band in New York City because he's Woody Allen and he could do that. Gross. But then over COVID, that whole thing came. That thing everyone knew for the last twenty years. They made a documentary about it, and then everyone was like, "Ooh." Is that yeah? People like. Yeah, I mean, everyone knew, but like now people are getting punished for their actions. So. <laughs> Kind of. Yeah, a little. Sort of. Yeah. I'll be back. Anyway, this week's guest, Roman Polanski, <laughs> is on the podcast. <laughs> Zooming in live from France, I think. Oh, right. He's not allowed here. Yeah. He sure there still... There we go. There's yeah. consequences. Yeah. But, like, he's still fine. Yeah. <laughs> he just lives there. They murdered his wife. No, he didn't murder his wife. <laughs> Charles Manson murdered his wife. Charles Manson got a bunch of hippies so all, to murder his There wife. is no Charles Manson. <gasps> oh my god, but I saw Mindhunter. He was there. Polanski did it all. Whoa. Also, Mindhunter was really good. I'm really bummed that they just canceled it on a cliffhanger like that. That really sucked. I haven't watched the show. Like, it ends. They they have the Atlanta child murder, like, 
to some degree, like the they, Atlanta child murderer. Yeah, there was. Doesn't like Ted Turner run that city, and that's the best name their media could come up with? I know, right? Well, anyway, the Atlanta, Ch- the Greater Atlanta region. <laughs> so, Ch- child murderer. They had him, and like they had this back line of like BTK was actively killing people. There's and, like, doing a name. Stuff. I know. And Fine, he, torture, kill. He suggested that to the press. He said, in one of the letters he said to the rest, he listed, like, four names that they could call in, one of them was BTK. But anyway, the, and they, that's the last. I was a little, I, I had had a, a, a snifter of brandy or two, and I was watching the, the, I did not know it was the last episode. Because every season there were ten episodes, the last season there were nine. But I was on nine, and I was like, oh my god, they're setting up to something so good. And that was it, and they're never making any more, and I was so bummed. Oof. Also, there is an episode of Charles Manson, it's really dope. Nice. Because he's, like, crazy, but, like, very calculated. And like yeah. he, oh, he, Charles Manson is a character. There's like a young, like younger dude who's like doing the interviews with an older, like FBI guy, and he had he has a, a copy of the uh, the book um, Helter Skelter, and he gets him to sign it. And like Charles Charles Manson gets the book real quick, signs it real fast. And, like he's finishing up the interview and he's very showbiz. He's like, "Hey, can I have your glasses?" And he takes them and he signs the book and stuff. And then at the very end of the episode, you open the book and you see you don't see what he signed until the very end. And it says like, "While you're asleep in bed, I'm destroying the world" or something like. It's very hey. like very Charles Manson. What a rascal! Like, God, he's short. America's scamp. He's America. tiny. He's, he's, he's like six he's inches shorter, shorter than, than you. me. Oh, he's wait, substantially. For real? I did not know. I thought he was around your height. I didn't no, know. he is. He's like five foot. That's if insane. That. Was. Now he's just a box of ashes. <laughs> Good for him. He made it out. <laughs> <laughs> did you? So so they've caught the Zodiac killer or not just, a fi- the you, FBI you're pretty sure they know who says, it is that's cool and did, did you see he had left a movie review on on like IMDB for a Ted Bundy movie no, and he wrote like tra- one star trash movie like highly overrated killer I, there was a. I follow. I mean, I get it. If you were, if yeah. you were, a if big, you were one of the most prolific. If you were un- Ted Cruz, yeah. you would also do that. God, I was there. I follow an Instagram now, and it's just funny letterboxed reviews. And there was a rash of them on the movie Zodiac, and they're all they're all basically like that happened to my buddy Gary once, because <laughs> his name was Gary. I hope it was him. Nah, I hope it was a woman. I hope it was like Maya Angelou. Yeah, it's about time. Maya Angelou, it I should be her. She's on the corner ready. now. Make her the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> anyway, so, we should probably talk about Laura Dern a little bit. Yeah! So, you first, what's up? Big Dern? Big Dern! Big Dern! Spooky, scary Big Dern. Said shivers down my spine. I watched a film from, I want to say 2006... What a year. Starring Laura Dern mm-hmm. and Mark Ruffalo. And, and Max has been shot. <laughs> bulletin, <laughs> bulletin. The it's called We Don't Live Here Anymore. Mm-hmm. And so Dern and Ruffalo play Terry and Jack, respectively. They are a married couple. He is a professor. And they are good friends. With Edith and Hank played by Naomi Watts and Peter Krause, respectively. They are a married couple. They He is also a professor. And so they're like best, they're besties. The dudes, they go on runs together. The women go shopping together. They are thick as thieves. And so we get the opening scene is like, they're at one of their houses, and they're drinking, and they're dancing, and it's fun, and kind of sexy. The gals are dancing together. And then the photo goes negative, <laughs> but there was trouble afoot. Well, the, the, they do do the, the trouble afoot, and it's Mark Ruffalo's look. So we see him kind of standing, leaning against the doorway, just sort of looking at Naomi Watts, who is not his wife. Um, and they're at a beer. So the two of them go on a beer run, mm-hmm. and they're like, should we stop? And he's like, I don't know. I think maybe we should stop. She's like, I don't want to stop. He's like, me neither. And they make out in the car, and we learn that they are having an affair with one another. That's not cool. 
And yeah, this is an affair movie. Ah. We've now got the enti- basically the entire movie is in the context of this is about the four of them. Um, Just the four of us. <laughs> and we get it's an interesting kind of we get the way the way they they use this act of adultery to highlight the uh, the problems in their relationships, mm-hmm. and so we, so later that night when it's just uh, Terry and Jack, Dern and Ruffalo, she's she's drunk and she is like, I think something's going on with you. Like you're distant. You don't love me like you used to. And he spins it on her, which is like a real fucked up thing because you, the the viewer, knows that she's absolutely fucking right. And she's like, oh, when we went on that beer run, like, what about you and Hank? Like, what was that? The two of you together? And she says, and he's like, you, she's like, you never touch me. He's like, do you see Hank fondling Edith every second? She goes, no, Hank doesn't love her anymore. And so we learn that, like, while the two of them were on the beer run, there was some sort of Hank is divulging this intimate fact to Dern. And we get some, like, we get some hangovers. There's a lot of hangovers in this movie. Yeah, like um, uh, Ed Helms and yeah. uh, Zach. Yeah, Zach Galifianakis oh, shows nice. up. They make a sequel. It's very they, racist. Yeah, they make a third one. It's <laughs> weird. <laughs> um... We get so Darren's hung over the next morning, and like her son's just like being a little kid, and she's just like, ah, I can't deal. So it's just kind of like the hardships, the struggles of real life, and these people like trying to present the like the model family, the the stable suburban home. Now, does Mark Ruffalo's turning into the Hulk when he gets angry come up in this movie at all? It it's implied. Ah, they leave it off screen. You see just a slight green out. hue kind of take over <laughs> the lens. Um, but he the his Jack's issues. He does have anger issues, and he does do this like really kind of manipulative thing where he tries to like turn things back on Dern. Um, and it's it's like it's fucking him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he Dern's like. Let's go get... Let's have lobster for lunch. I'm gonna go get some lobsters. And he's like, I have to take the car to the shop. He doesn't. We know what he has to do. He has to go fuck Naomi Watts in the woods. And he has a sort of voiceover at this point where he's like, you petulant son of a bitch. Just make love to your wife and eat a goddamn lobster. Yeah, it seems like he has a pretty good life that he's just throwing away. Yeah, and like... Why not both? (laughs) Yeah, basically. It, it, time management could do amazing things for your life. <laughs> so they, And then he, like, the kids are like, oh, can we come? You gotta go take the car to the shop. Can we come? And he's like, no, because I gotta meet Hank to go running later. Which is crazy. Like, this dude's going to fuck this guy's wife and then go running with him. But it's all these, like, these things he's missing out on because he's doing this. And he's kind of wrestling with it and trying to justify it and so they're in the woods post coitus and she says I wonder how we'll get caught and he's like Hank will smell me smell smell you on me when we're running together she's like no I don't care if Hank it Hank finds out I'm talking about Terry if Hank caught us I wouldn't care and so we get we like learn details about their relationships yeah um, Hank, meanwhile, he's kind of like, he's really aloof, and he's just sort of like, sort of a dude. Like, he's just, uh, he's hitting on his students, again, they're college professors, and he's just like a little smarmy, and a little bit, little playboy energy. So this is really just like, like, lower budget, less cast love, actually. No. Oh. But he was a professor. No, he wasn't. Was he? What is, who is, what is, um, Robert 
Robin Thicke, no. Um, Alan. Alan. Alda. Thicke. Alan, no. What? What is his name? Alan Rickman. Yeah. Is he a professor? Or is he a he's an officer or something? Oh, oh yeah, he's no. I, he's, he was, I forget. Like yes, I get. I guess I just uh, anyway. Never mind. He's professor. You can't. You can't lie at Christmas. <laughs> That's the more. Yeah, this is not love, actually, because you can lie. You can lie. You can lie the entire movie. You can build an entire movie on lies. That's basically what this is. And let's see. So it's like. So then, then Naomi Watts like breaks down, crying. They have a kid, and the kid's like. I don't know, watching something about space. Oh, I thought you meant she, like, just had it. No. (laughs) There was a week break, and she had a kid. (laughs) There's there's their daughter, Mm -hmm. and she's like, I want to go to space, but, like, only if you and Daddy come with me. And that, Naomi Watts is really hurt by that because she's, like, because her marriage, they're they're wildly distant. Whether she's having this affair or not, it's Mm -hmm. like there's nothing left between them. Um... Then, yeah, so, like, the the dudes go on their run, and they go for a pint afterwards, and we learn about how Hank had once been sleeping with a, a woman named Jean from France before she went back to Paris, and that was his true love, and so, like, we don't know if he's actively cheating, but he has in the past, and Hank kind of suggests that Terry, that Dern, might be, like, might be cheating on Jack. It says these weird parallels between all four of them, the whole fucking movie. Um, then Jack goes and buys a lobster, treats for the kids, because he, he, like, he want, he's like, ah, yeah, we should have the lobster, but, like, it doesn't make up for the fact that their marriage is a wreck. I just imagine him throwing the live lobster to the kids, like, here you go. New pet. (laughs) (laughs) His name's Pinchy. Be careful. And so, and like, instead of being grateful for the lobster, the two of them just get in another fight. That's this whole movie is the two of them fighting. And Jack, again, is like kind of deflecting and projecting on Dern. And he's like, did Hank make a pass at you the other night? And she's like, yeah, he did. Is that what you want to hear? He said he loved me and he, he kissed me and he felt dirty and like Jack keeps doing this weird jealous shit where he like almost wants, he's like almost getting off on hearing this stuff. Um, we get another weird bit from Naomi Watts. They meet up again. They keep fucking where she says to Ruffalo, you make me a good wife. Say to the guy you're cheating on your husband with, if you didn't love me, I'd have to love somebody else. And yeah, Hmm. so Terry goes to visit Hank, Mm -hmm. and she catches Jack in a lie because Jack said he was running with Hank, but he Hank's like, oh no, we're not going running today. She's like, huh, where's your wife? Oh, she's not here either? Huh. And then Dern is with Edith, with Naomi Watts. Mm-hmm. They're shopping like like wives. <laughs> women and be shopping. Women be say. shopping. Yeah, this movie, the, the wives are just kind of wives. It's a little... It like tries to give them a lot of agency in their in like this focusing on the depths of, you know, their issues. But at the same time, they're just like, wifing around with their big big professor husbands, <laughs> um, and Dern asks Naomi Watts to ask Hank about Jack. About, like, if he's cheating or something. Which is, like, the whole... Yeah. Oh, this is weird. Then we get... Dig a deeper hole. Then we get another Mark Ruffalo voiceover. And this one is about how... Hank fucked Terry... Dern. Mm -hmm. In in the front of, of Jack's car. And... So he confronts her... And now, I guess, I guess the implication is that he sees this, like he was supposed to be asleep, but he looks out the window and sees this happening or something. 
And they get in this huge fight. And she says, she's like, he made love to me. All you do is fuck me. And um, she basically blames him. She's like, you set this up, Jack. And it, and it happened. And he keeps asking questions. Again, doing this kind of like he's almost excited by it, almost getting off. And she says so she lays it all out. She's like, we fucked like crazy. I came before he did. She says with like, that's probably never happened with old Hulk. And <laughs> and when she when she came, when I came the second time, I was on top and I looked in his eyes and told him I loved him. And now that like pisses him off. And he yeah, this is where he gets a little hulky. He gets like balls up a fist like he might hit her. And then he storms off. And Jack calls Edith to tell her that, you know, this happened. She's like, come over. So he goes over to Edith. Hank is asleep, sleeping off this this late night Dern sesh, apparently. <laughs> and they, they, like, have sex in, downstairs while he's asleep. And it's pretty hot. <laughs> it's like a pretty hot sex scene. I'll give, give it up to Naomi I mean, Watts and Mark Ruffalo. You do look similarly enough to Mark Ruffalo that I imagine it was just like was, a mirror thank for you. you. A little bit. Thank you. Anytime. You heard it here first, ladies and gents. <laughs> You're no Lou Ferrigno, but you could pull off a Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Morgan, I've been swinging the kettlebell a little bit. <laughs> a medicine Trying ball. To bulk up. <laughs> Got one of those like vibrating like things. Hungarian loop. Something like that, I don't know. It's got all sure. sorts of... Just, just throw the former like a, Soviet bloc has all sorts yeah. of fun weights. Throw like an eastern region and a, and a shape, and it's probably an exercise tool. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Hank is getting, is getting a poem published in the New Yorkers. So they're going to have a party. So Dern and Ruffalo go, like it's oh. like everything's fine. And then Dern's like, I'm tired, and Hank's like, I'll drive you home. Wink, and so they, they leave the party to go fuck some more. Nice, nice. And... Yeah, you gotta celebrate these things. Jack wants Edith to tell Hank, but she doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. And later on, Terry and Jack fight again. And he, this is where he admits to her, finally. What, like, what he doesn't want to, he doesn't even seem to feel any need to say. Like, he keeps dancing around the issue in his own head. Uh, but he says, he's like, I love Edith. And Dern's not too happy about it. Fair. And she, she does, it's a great, great Dern performance here. She, uh. Tries to, like, hold on, like, in denial. Like, no, it's not true. We are together. And gives him, like, tries to hug him, and he storms off. And then he, the next day, takes the kids out on an adventure, and the plan is for him to tell them that he's leaving. And Mommy and Daddy are splitting up. And he doesn't do it. Again, because he's in, he's in his own denial about everything. He gets back and Dern like already packed up his bags. He's crying. She's crying. Um, and she says to him that it's like a really tender moment, kind of, and then both just sort of trying to hold on to the gravity of the situation. And she says, we can do this. It'll be okay. And I love that line because you're not, like she's probably talking about like we can have a divorce and let our children know, but it might be like, oh, we can just... Pretend this didn't happen and stay together. And Terry tells, so Dern tells Edith about her and Hank. Mm-hmm. And Edith tells her, tells Dern about her and Jack. Um, Hank, meanwhile, now finds out and he he's not even pissed at Jack, right? He's such a like almost emotionless, just dude man. And he's like, I knew. He's yeah, like, I, I knew for a while. <laughs> like, it was kind of obvious. And then ultimately, the the one resolution we get is that Naomi Watts 
leaves Hank. And she says to him, I'm not leaving because you were unfaithful. I'm leaving because I was. And that's the end of the movie. Hmm. And, like, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's our, it was a decent movie. Yeah. It, like... Like a movie? It try, It does this... I like that it... You know, I like movies where it is willing to confront, you know, harsh truths. Um, it feels almost like something like... Uh, like shortcuts, where you have these these dysfunctional relationships and it's not really asking you to judge one way or the other, but just observe kind of the realities and what what this is like for these people. I think it does a fair job at that. But at the same time, everyone's just kind of, um, like, sort of petulant. <laughs> and, like, just, eh, just sort of sucks. They, they're, like, these weird... They don't seem to make efforts to get it together. Yeah, they just kind of When, like, it. they should. They're just, like, shitty Gen Xers. Like, just, like, <laughs> getting drunk and, like, fucking your best friend's wife. Like, and, yeah, it was fine. It was one of those, it's not the most fun to talk about, like, a middle-of-the-road Dern. Yeah. I, good, good I, performances. I, I hate to bring it up, but I don't, I don't have a great one for you. Yeah, either. we got a real snooze fest. Honestly, we. Why did we say? <laughs> why did, why did the fates put two s- such <laughs> mediocre movies together? Yep. Yeah, this, this is a skip week. You could just, if you've made it this far, you can just. Yeah, you can tune bail. in next month, and <laughs> we'll talk about two better movies. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Not bad. You know, sounds interesting. If you like cheating, this is your movie. Yep. Yeah. If you're into Mark Ruffalo, check it out. He's got that rough stuff. He's the rough stuff. <laughs> he, he's must, he must have said that at some point. Oh, he says that every time? That's, every, how, he, every, that's how he opens that's every, every interview, and they ask him to not say it, and he does it every time. Mm-hmm. Well... Well, well, where to go from here? Well, now that we've done one Jaren and we have another Jaren up ahead, oh. perhaps we should explore what is between them. <laughs> explore that that liminal space in the middle. Um, I feel like I already talked about a lot of between my Jarens, but I'll 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 scrape you the out. You can the s- squeeze some um, blood out of this stone. Uh, I was at Mahoning two nights ago. They saved the driving. They did. Yes, they they both. Had it at risk and saved it in the course of 48 hours. It was very anticlimactic, but it was still nice that they saved it. Um, I went to the first night of Freddy Fest. It was the best battle of the bands of all time. It really was. We saved the community center, and the rich kids aren't getting their new ski lodge (laughs) so that we can keep the pool and keep on rocking around the clock all year long. Um... But yeah, Freddy Fest 3. I saw Nightmare on Elm Street on the big screen. Very nice. I met Freddy. Great guy. Didn't say much, but you know. Looked all like a pizza. Um, Rob, was it Robert Englund? No, no, no. <laughs> I was going to say, he's, a, he's dead, isn't he? No, he's not. Is he? Robert Englund is alive and well. Good. I, think, I think he actually broke his leg semi-recently. Just some guy dressed as Freddy? Yeah, it's just some dude. Yeah, I think he works there. And I, the second movie we saw was very good. It was called Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. I've, you I think I've might have seen it at Lorraine. To a podcast about oh, this. Okay. It was uh, old bartender Nate. That was one of his favorite movies to put on. But it is a very good movie. I've never seen it with sound, and my god, is it hilarious? Because it's just like a a woman from the fifties who talks like a woman from the fifties. Like, see you later, alligator. But she like she's killed. Is in a prom night slasher? And, yes. She like comes back and like inhabits a younger person's body in like the nineties, and then she like wreaks revenge on all these people that wronged her back in the fifties. It's very good would recommend it's a pretty pretty wonderful blowjob scene and then he gets electrocuted by a computer because that's how computers work mm-hmm. hey, in the 90s yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty pretty good it, pretty. it was a dangerous world out there the third movie unfortunately we did not stay for but i wish we would have it was called i think the destroyer it had anthony perkins in it it's about a i don't know some like a death row inmate who gets electrocuted and then he like haunts the jail and then they go back to film a movie in the jail years later and like he messes with the crew something like that probably gonna watch it for halloween nice month 
October. Um, yeah, not much else, you know. Gugas, Jessica Hell, Spooky, Academy Museum. I don't know. I mean, that's my notes. There you go. What's between your turns? Um, I well, I went to a prison today. Oh, you look great this morning. What was quick sentences? I made huh? it out alive. Look alive. To Eastern State Penitentiary. Oh, never been. What's it like? That's false. Nick used to work there. Mm-hmm. I'm going on Thursday. For listeners that don't know, if you're in Philly, go go visit. Go do the tour. Mm-hmm. Narrated by Steve Buscemi, as he pronounces it, on the audio tour. Um, which is weird that we've all been saying his name wrong forever. He's a selfless guy. For 30 guy. years. He's too, he's a, he's a doormat. You're going to let us just mispronounce your name for decades? Hey, man. He catches his Adam Sandler checks every year. He lives a happy life. Actually, did you see the picture I shared of him? He recently recorded additional tour material for Eastern State, like for the new night tours they're doing. Uh-huh. And he looks so nice. He looks like a pleasant older man. He had like a little t-shirt on, a little beard. He looked uh-huh. like you, kind of. Yeah. I am hear that I'm a pleasant older man. Yes, you are a rough a Ruffalo Buscemi six, type. Six. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it says on my headshot. <laughs> it's just pictures of you in different outfits. That's me as MLK. No, what was it? Malcolm X. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I much prefer Malcolm X. <laughs> no, no, there was um ah, it was a movie with Zach Galifianakis and um. Robert that, Downey that was Jr. Malcolm X. No, and Robert Downey Jr. and it was like a it was like a planes, trains, and automobiles, but now. And Zach Galifianakis was an aspiring actor, and he had a headshot, and on the back was him as a few different pe- like different characters, and one of them was him, and uh, Robert Downey Jr. was like, "Oh, is that you? That's you as a nerd?" And he's like, "No, that's Malcolm X." <laughs> <laughs> it's very uh, fun. Anyway, sorry to interrupt your that's okay. your touching prison review. Um, it is good. That place is so fucked up. Um. Yeah, it it's so wild to think about how like this prison was designed this revolutionary new way of doing prisons in the 1800s in order to help rehabilitate through penitence. Mm, um, that'll work. But it was fucking solitary confinement. It was like mega torture and like, in the name of like good, good meaning and Christian values, and which like, is so. In its original iteration, it was just so intense. Like you were, you were hooded. Anytime you left your cell, the goal was you were to never see any wall outside of your cell. Confront anyone. You had your own room and your own courtyard. uh, That was entirely walled, and the entire experience was solitary. You wouldn't see guards. Then it closed, and then a bunch of cats lived there, and now it's a haunted house. (laughs) Yeah. Basically. Oh god, my friend who used to work there told me the story that they don't tell on the tour because it's very graphic. This guy was um, basically he was like kind of a slower man. He was in jail for like some crime, and he, they just like gave him kind of free run. He was like a janitor. He would just work around the prison. And one day he just snapped, and he was standing on, like as soon as you enter the cell block, the um the gate tower, like the entrance. There's that building there. He was standing on top of it. And he was, like, holding a knife to his throat, and he said he wanted to speak to his daughter. Of course, his adult daughter did not want to speak to him because he was a mentally ill criminal. And um, then he slit his throat. And the only person on staff that could help him was a dentist, like the, the prison dentist who was also a prisoner. And he sewed him up. He wound up dying of an infection. And they used this whole thing as, like, a like a scheme to get rid of somebody who was in power at the jail who they wanted to get rid of. They, like, pinned all this on him. Like, he was, like... I think he was trying to, like, introduce, like, basically programs that were helpful to prisoners and stuff, yeah. but they didn't like that because it, you know, looked bad. So they got rid of him because a prisoner killed himself. Wow. And there's more to it, but, like, they were telling me that, like, an old guard came in and told her about this, and he was ju- he walked in and he stopped, and he was like, I could still see him up there. It was like, like, the way she told it, it was very spooky. That's horrifying. <laughs> it's a dark place. One thing that fascinated me, there, uh, one bit of the tour they have, you hear all audio from... Uh, former prisoners. Yes, that's right. And neat. guards and stuff. And then they have uh, pictures of them and like when they were there. And one guy was a guard, a prison, a guard, and then a prisoner. Oh, I haven't Which done the audio I'd, tour. In I'd so love long. to know more about his story. Um, and the all the the features on 
the state of prisons now in the U.S. It's it's something I think we all know, but like they spell it out really powerfully. They have all these wonderful, I assume, kind of newer features there. Yeah, they I have f- this the great data visualization. I feel like a lot of that stuff was. Pretty much since they've opened, that's kind of been the goal, to talk about that. I went, a few years ago, I had just been working in Eastern State for one year at the time. I went to Alcatraz, and it was like, it's a state park. They do like a state park tour. Our guide was an old history teacher. And they were like very clearly working in the same kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like prison reform, state of prisons today, how it doesn't work. It's a broken system and whatnot. And like, you could tell people there were like, ah, whatever. But I was just like, wow, they're doing the thing over here at this one. Yeah. He was a good boy. We can do it. Anyway, it's fucked. Everyone goes to jail. In the U.S. is uh, Speaking nightmare. of jail, uh, donate to the Last Prisoner Project if you can. Yeah. That's what I've been championing. I don't know. I'm doing, like, uh, vending events for Filthy now, and I, that's what I've decided to give money to out of the cut. It's to help uh, get people out of jail for marijuana, especially ben in states where it's legal now. Basically, yeah. I basically do it because of them. But, you know, it's a good project. I get it. <laughs> it's dumb. People shouldn't be in jail for something that's legal in most states now. This is true. Anyway. Uh, smoke weed every day. All day. All day, every day. I also, I've been watching uh, a lovely... The Lovely um, Bones. That court, courtroom uh, lawyer show. Uh, Judge Joe Brown. Such a mom show. Thank you, mom, for recommending Goliath on Amazon Prime. Uh, I've heard of it. I've not seen Billy it. Bob Thornton. Um, America's bad. The, uh, if anyone is intrigued, say stick around for season two, where you get Mark Duplass and my favorite evil villain role ever he is a mega rich real estate developer with uh, a strange amputee fetish such that Ooh. he has a um a model kitchen from his childhood home uh, that he watches through a, a one-way glass window and masturbates while he commands actors to come out one of whom is an amputee and the other one ocean oils up lotions up her knee uh while the hr puffin stuff theme song plays (laughs) it's awesome (laughs) it's so fucked i'm sorry but what yeah it's amazing that's a lot yeah, Man, the show the show mom, has a lot of twists and turns. Your mom's a freak. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I, so just, that's just an absolute treat. Just for that, I might have to look into this. Yeah, you'll. Wow. I mean, how can you not? And oh, let's see. I watched Midnight Mass. I have not Netflix. yet, so not a word, but... I, I won't spoil too much, uh, except to say that it is another wonderful show from one of the best horror directors in the game right now, Mike Flanagan, who, of course, did The Haunting of Hill House. Those were so good. It's I not know. as good as Haunting of Hill House, but nothing is. I know. That's impossible. Uh, but it's great, sleepy, Catholic, fishing town. I feel like it's... I don't know, I've heard people kind of loosely compare it to, like, Wicker Man in, like, the Religious Island kind of deal. Is that... I'm unfamiliar, but Religious Island I mean, if like it's Religious good. Island. I don't know, I'm so excited. Have you seen... I feel like I've talked about this before, but Fear Street? No. Is it Ooh, good? It is, I think I read one of the books when I was a kid. It is so... Like, I went into it with such... Not low expectations, but I was like, you know, any... Any other adaptation of an R.L. Stein thing I've seen is either the Goosebumps movie with Jack Black, which, you know, right. isn't... Fear, is it, you know, you know. Or, like, the Goosebumps TV show from when I was little, which is good, but, like, you know, it's not... It's, like, goofy and, like, kind of yes. campy and stuff. But it was so good. Like, so graphic, and, like, there's gay stuff, and, like, the story spans over, like, 300 years, and there's just twists and turns, like, evil lineages. It is genuinely so good. Nice. Like, you could probably pound them out in one day and like it, it wouldn't feel forced if that makes sense cool it's really good i'll check out fear street lovely well i guess that's all we have time for no nope, no nope. talk about your dumb movie Damn, it's so dumb brave town brave town 2015 mel gibson no it's um i don't no one in it is important there's a white man with a beard who i vaguely recognized i'm not gonna even look up his name because you know Hundred of them. Who needs them? 
It's a two-hour PSA with about seven different lessons that range from drugs are bad, war is bad, war is helpful, you need to forget and forgive, um, d d leave your mom, uh, love your dad, uh, therapy, pizza, soccer. There's so much going on. It's Josh Duhamel. That's it. I couldn't think. It doesn't matter. Some guy. So we open on, like, a young white kid. He's doing a DJ set in, like, a factory warehouse. You know, he seems popular and good at it. And he has a friend. His friend gives him a drug pill, and he takes it, and then he's having sex in a car. Don't, listeners, we've said it before, we'll say it again. Don't do drug pills. Well, we're, there's a lesson coming up right here. Um... You know, he's living a certain kind of person's dream. He's living in New York City, he's doing all of these things. And then, he also loves the movie Platoon for no clear reason. Cause Platoon's dope? I mean it is, but like, at this point, like, there is... Like, it's almost set up like the army is part of his life, but it's not. He just loves the movie Platoon. He's a boot. Liquor. No. Um, no, 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 boot would be a different type of... Ah. Uh, a boot. What? A boot's like a military nut. Oh, that makes sense. Um, his mother is like, so maybe an We really see his mom for almost no time. She's maybe an alcoholic. Um, he comes home at four in the morning and she's asleep. And then the next morning he's upset about it. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's clearly tension here, but like, he's like, there's no milk. And she's like, you know, a full-time working single mom who has to deal with his shit, and apparently he's just, like, fighting and getting kicked out of schools left and right. Like, he's no picnic. I don't blame her. Um, he goes, he's doing this DJ thing every night, he stays out super late, he does another set, and he takes another drug pill, but this is a bad drug pill, and he ODs. Ooh. And he, he, okay, I'm gonna modify my previous statement. Take one drug pill. Take certain drug pills, but not other drug pills. Um, of course, oh, his name's Josh, by the way, so Josh overdosed, obviously. Um, and then he's in the hospital and, you know, his mom comes in, he's asleep and she's like, oh, you're in, you're, God is in so much trouble. And then he's just in court. Like, there was no indication that the law was involved at all. And then just suddenly he's in court and the judge is like, I won't put your mother through any more hassle after all the stuff you've put her through with getting kicked out of schools and fights and whatnot. But she says he has to like go to rehab and counseling and stay with his father in uh, South Dakota. She does not say South Dakota. And we were trying to figure out where it, where he was being sent to. It was clearly like woodsy. It was filmed in Manitoba, Canada, but it's described in the um, like the write up of it as a small army town. Mm -hmm. It's North. Dakota. My film was also filmed in Canada. Oh, every film is filmed in Canada. It's true. So you know, there's a big blowout fight with his mom before he leaves, and she says, "I didn't even want to have you. Your dad convinced me to keep you." And, you know, that's the last thing he says to his mom in the entire movie, which is... Such a good trump card. Upsetting. Yep, yep. I want to have kids so he can use that in a fight. I never even wanted you. But, yeah. So, you know, he goes to live with his dad. His dad apparently, like, left the family before he was born. His dad seems perfectly nice. He's, you know, not pushy. He's, like, trying to be... You know, he's taking care of him, lets him in his house, cooks for him, all this stuff. At one pair, he point, he buys him a pair of jeans... He's just like, eh, I thought these would fit you. At earlier, he fights with his mom about her never getting him clothes. Like, I feel like that's just a really shoved in, like, look, good dad. At one point, he catches him smoking weed. He's like, I don't care if you smoke. Just don't burn the house down. Like, he seems like a fine dad. It doesn't matter. He almost is not involved at all. Uh, he goes to school, and, you know, he's just kind of there. He doesn't really have a choice. He meets this weird kid who's like Beans from Even Stevens. Yeah. That's pretty much the vibe. Like, he's less weird, but he's just, like, you know, a weird, like, South Dakota kid. And then he meets the kid's sister. Like who's starting on the... fires kind of kid? Nah, just, like, you know, like, uh, what are you listening to? And then he puts on hit, hit the DJ kid's headphones. He's like, ah, oh, I like this. It's like electronic music. And then he meets his sister, the weird kid's sister, who uh, is on the dance team. But the dance team sucks. They're so bad. Uh, he goes and meets his counselor, played by... Josh. Sure. To Hamill. It's weird that his name's Josh and the character's name, but opposite name is Josh. And uh, he's like, he's you know, he doesn't seem to care much about his job. He's just like, ah, DJ, huh? That's cool. I prefer White Snake, but you know. And then basically, <laughs> White Snake, and, yeah, rock and roll, butt rock. And basically, he says like, look, I don't want to be Showed here. Rock. <laughs> I don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. So he just orders pizza and they watch soccer every time. 
but like you know, slowly he chips away at him, like, like, hey, you smoke weed? And How can I reach these kids? <laughs> Josh is like, yeah, sometimes he's like, you want some? He's like, nah, I just you know, when I was overseas in Iraq, I smoked weed just to calm the nerves. You know, you you smoke because you're at war, but you're not always at war. Sometimes you're just at war in your mind. War because are the this is like an army town. Like apparently, this at one point, the woman who Josh falls in love with says, everyone in this town has lost somebody in some war. Like, <laughs> it's just so overbearingly army. It's almost a, it's like a higher budget Hallmark movie. Yeah, it's got those I'm, vibes. And oh god, it's just it's so bad. Um, uh, where'd it go? Josh goes to the school dance and they're playing the pump, pump the jams, pump it up. While your feet are pumping. Cool. Um, but they're Stumping. playing that song. And, what, and then they, they, the dance team does a song to Skater Boy. But I don't think it's like a weird cover um, of Skater Boy, yeah. And then like Josh is like goes over to the DJ is like, yeah, let me take over. And then he on the spot mixes it into an amazing song, which I don't believe that this seventeen year old <laughs> is that good at DJing that he could just on the spot rip this up. And then the dance team, of course, does an amazing choreographed song, and he also records it. <laughs> Sorry, uh, this guy with a huge penis just drove his loud car by. This car going like 20 miles an hour. <laughs> Man. Cool. Cool guy. Back to some other cool guys. So, um, the, ne- the next day he comes into school and like everyone's talking to him because, you know, it's a small town and people talk. And every like, girls are talking to him. Guys are like clapping him on the shoulder saying like, hey, good music the other day. Yeah. And then this one kid is like bullying him. He's like, hey, you stay away from the dance team. And like, there's this one girl on the dance team that he likes and she doesn't seem to care about him. But yeah. Oh, so it comes up that like everyone is in the army. Like anytime you meet a character, there's a picture of them in the army. Like he goes into the principal's office and he's he's like, the principal's doing work. And Josh looks up at the picture and without looking up, the principal goes like, oh, that's me in the Gulf or something like that. Um, and he's and the, he's like, oh, it's a tough war. And Josh is like, yeah, I could I could imagine, and the principal says, "I don't think you could imagine." Like the whole—that was the least tough war we've had. The whole vibe of this movie is like, you don't understand what it's like to have been in the army, to be in the army, to have lost someone in the army, right. to be the sister of somebody who died in the army. It's that is the whole point, basically. And I don't even know. The principal basically talks him into mixing music for the dance team because they won the, for the first time in seven years with the Skater Boy remix that he did. So you know, he starts doing it. Um, oh man, there's so much pizza. Every time he goes to this man's office for a counseling session, they get two pizzas and a six pack of Diet Coke. And this, like, I don't know, how is this man living? (laughs) He must have kidney stones. You wouldn't understand, you weren't in the war. Kidney stones out the dick, which is how they come out. Uh, But, uh, okay, Uh, here we go. We're meeting Laura Dern, finally. And we find out that Laura Dern is Mary, who is the girl Josh falls in love with on the dancing's mom. And she's broken woman. We're 39 minutes into the movie, by the way, and she comes Did up. she lose her husband in she the war? She lost her son. Her oh. husband is nowhere to be seen. We don't really know what happened. Assumedly, he probably died, died in the war. In the war. And the son died in the war. And she's like, just... They never really say what's wrong with her. Assumedly, she just snapped when he died. She doesn't... She, like, knows he's dead, but she fully denies it. Like, she just keeps saying stuff like, oh, I need to clean up this room for when Billy gets back from war. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. And she needs her brain medicine. And she's, like, very, like, manically positive. Like, oh, I need to cook you kids something for breakfast quick. I'm so sorry I slept in. And the daughter's just, like, so tired of her shit. Like, clearly this has been going on for years. She's like, Mom, stop it. Sounds like such a good Dern character. He's dead. And it's, God, it's so sad and so forced. Like, it's, if it were more meaningful, it would be good. But it's just so, like... Yeah, like, it sounds like it was like it was a paycheck for some people in this movie, but not even that good of a paycheck. They were like, "Ah, uh, I have a car payment. Guess I'll be in this weird <laughs> army movie." By the way, could not tell you the production company. I'm sure it's like you know, Viva Church Star Incorporated or something like that. <laughs> it's two wolves films. Ah, that's not real. Come on. So, the counseling starts to get a little more intimate. He does that little chipping away, like, "Hey, you know." Maybe and he starts talking about himself and like he has this medal of honor on his desk and we find out that he was in the army and his best friend died and there's this like tension and he's like they're doing this thing where like uh, Josh will ask him some questions and then he'll say okay my turn and then he'll do counseling 
the the Molly takes Josh to this war tree, which is a thing apparently. <laughs> you weren't kidding. It's a tree, and they have all these actual army medals hung in it, like that's the Medal of Honor. Like all these people in town leave them there, and then Molly apparently is the only person who lights all these old camping lanterns and hangs them up in the tree to like remember them. And then someone, I guess, also goes in the morning to take them down because they're always back on the table to reset. <laughs> it's just, it's just, oh, it's so forced. Ugh. The metal, and then the war at, tree. At this point, like, the bullies, like, jo- Josh always walks to home through the military cemetery in town, which just, Yeah, you gotta feel... Beating humble. it in, beating it in so hard, like, uh, death, war, death, army. Is there any sort of indictment of... The American oh, War Machine. Uh-huh, it's coming up. Okay. I mean, it, there's a lot of like. <laughs> it would have been a lot more fun if you're like, no, not at all. <laughs> there's a scene where Molly's like, yeah, this the types of towns like these are where the army gets most of the people for their wars. Which, no. <laughs> I mean, maybe, no, but like, kind of, yeah. I mean, but I like, mean, something to said. But for, I like, think just the metaphor that this town is described as genuinely a town where every single family is in the army and has died. Like, it's so overdone. Yeah. It could have been less done. I don't know. And then the, at one point, as he's walking through the cemetery at night, the bullies, um, the bullies like corner him and pull the truck up and beat him up a little. And they're like, "You, I told you to stay away from the dance team," which is just why are it's, it's what's such, their deal? Um, the one of the one of the bullies is in love with one of the dance the dance girl with Dern Dur- mom. Gotcha. But like, also, after this, it completely dissolves. We never see them again. Oh. So they beat him up and like stomp on his headphones, and that's it. We never. I mean, it's so. It's just. It's so low rent, low rent, and low risk. Like eat my, that girl I fancy's on the dance team. You keep away from her. I don't even know. And then, also like as they're getting the dance team's getting better, they keep doing mixes and like different like themed dances for each competition, which is not how dance teams work. They do not do a different one for every competition every three weeks. They just do one and like rework it. Oh, that's waffles. Bye, waffles. Bye. <laughs> See you next week. Yeah. Um. So they keep doing. Okay, before you get here, I'm sorry. So the counselor, we we get more. It divulges a little more, and I'm really thinking he's gay. Like it, the vibe is like, oh, I promised his family I'd take care of them, but they don't want to see me, and like it's like this whole. I'm really getting the vibe that he's gay, and I really want it so bad. We find out that um. He, the boy, his best friend was Molly's sister, Laura Dern's son, and he was an army recruiter, and he, like, he, he does this whole thing where he's like, I had to meet a quota, I had to sign this boy up and send him off, and that's kind of the indictment of the system. Gotcha. But he's there, he said, I was with him the whole time, he's my best friend, and I, we loved each other, and then he died on a mission, and I told him not to go, but he went anyway and saved all these lives. And, um, anyway, that happened. We'll get back to that later. Um... So all these dances are getting progressively more racist. <laughs> so huh. the first one is like a Latin one, which is fine. They do a Latin dance of like one or two people. There's like eight to ten people on the dance team. One or two of them seem Latin, so it's fine. And it's not very like... It, they just do like Latin dance style. It's fine. Sure. Perfectly fine. The next one is a like very... Havanagila. It's a very Bollywood India dance. <laughs> And no one on the team is Indian, oh, and it gets, no. it's a little weird. The next one is, like, a New York City, like, run DMC beatbox one, but there's a few black people on the team, so it, like, and they are, like, they are the head of that dance, so, like, I'm, like, that's cool. And then the last one is Chinese. <laughs> there is one Chinese girl, How many but, like, dances are in this movie? Like, six altogether. But it's just so weird. And, I, actually, the, the mix they do for the Chinese one is pretty cool. They mix in uh, things from Kill Bill a little bit. Cool. It's it's not that good, but it's neat. It, they could be better. Like anyway. Oh god, I don't even know what's happening. Um. Can I ask a couple questions? Oh please. Who who is Tom Everett Scott? Tom Everett from that thing you do. The main guy. Can you show me a picture of him? Because oh, he plays the dad. The oh. most the well-meaning but mostly absent, um, consequenceless father of Josh. Did he ever serve? It, I don't think so. What? It never comes up. Like, oh, at one point he... Well-meaning. Mo- Molly comes over to his house, and he's like, oh, do you want to watch a movie? And he's like, uh, my favorite movie's Platoon. Do you want to watch that? And then she does this whole thing where, like, it's not a movie for me. It's my life. It's just... <laughs> it's just... Oh, God. And okay. it seems like the whole, they worked... 
Platoon in as his favorite movie for the sheer purpose of saying that later on. That's so dumb. Also, I don't know how they so got the rights this, to show this Platoon. War movie is like, this war movie isn't just War movies don't really show you what it's really like. What about Maria Bello? Maria Bello, shh. A.K.A. Billy Bob Thornton's ex-wife and Goliath oh, on Amazon. Prime. Is she in it? Yes. Honestly, couldn't tell you. Just the blonde high. I th- she might have. There were a lot. Every dance competition had a different set of judges, and the only role these judges had was they had no lines. They would sit there, point, and smile with their mouths a little open, like, like kind of like saying watermelon over it. Like they were just uh, for show. Sure. I think she was one of them. Oh. But uh, you're better than that. So it's kind of reaching this pinnacle where, like, Josh apologizes to Mary. They're kind of, they've kind of made up, and they're like, he's like, we need to do a thing about the war at the big semifinals, which are happening at the school. Also, one of the dance members like hurts her ankle. No consequence. She just doesn't dance in the rest of the movie. But like, there's no like, there's no like. Oh, now Josh has Struggle. to dance. Now we need to find like the the nerdy girl and take her glasses off and make her dance. Like <laughs> she just breaks her ankle and nothing. Like they just threw that in for fucking no reason. God, I'm so I'm getting really worked this up. This movie sounds terrible. So we're at the end. It's kind of like this thing where like they a challenge coin is placed on the three adults that matter at this point. He the Josh tells his counselor like you need to face you need to oh the counselor also sends them like a thousand dollars a month the family of D- Laura Dern's family, and Laura Dern is just saving it I guess she mentions it briefly. Um, at one point near the end now like as the challenge coin is being placed out uh, the girl Molly is like going through the mail on Laura Dern's nightstand and she sees the check from him for the money, and I guess that's enough for him her to forgive him in the end. Yeah, I know, but. Mm-hmm. She said, he says, to, she, God, she says to Laura Dern, um, the dance company. Kill my family for she, a thousand bucks a month. That's cool. <laughs> she's, yeah, but yes. She basically says, like, he's, she says, like, he's dead and you need to deal with it. And apparently she does, I guess, whatever. Yay. And, um, she says, tonight's, tonight's the big dance competition we're hosting at the school because we're good now because of Josh. If you want to come, of course she does. Counselor comes. Josh says, you need to talk to them and work it out and whatnot. Um, the dad con- The dad asks, can I, he basically like, is just like, I just want to be part of your life, can I come? And Josh is like, yeah. And. Yeah, I'm gonna like, eat a lot of drug pills. So. You can come if you want. They do this whole like, platoon army dance that's super fucking pandering. It's just so gross and awful. And of course they win. And Laura Dern is like, crying and applauding. Like, the implication is like, she totally got over it. She's good. And the dad is there. He never comes up again. Like, I've, there's so many characters that are just, like, weaseled in, and, like, they have plot points that have no consequence to the rest of the movie. Like, I feel like I cannot oversell how much they do that in this movie. But, and then, um, the counselor's also there, and he sees it, and, like, Josh points at him, and the counselor points at him. And then the girl, like, runs, she's so happy, and she runs off to, like, the war tree, and then she falls asleep on this crab boat that's parked next to the war tree for no reason. And then she wakes up in the morning, she fell asleep on the boat, and Josh is there, and he's, like... I have someone who wants to see you, and of course it's the counselor, and he gives her his, her brother's Medal of Honor, and then she hangs it up on the tree, and then it's over. Mm, and so brave. At one point, he, she says to him, right before he says, I have someone who wants to see you, he's like, I don't want you to go, and he says, I'm not leaving without you, and that's it. Like, we genuinely no, resolu- no real resolution. Like, they, they, we don't even know if they won the dance competition, really. We assume they did, because they pandered. We assume everything was forgiven. We assume Laura Dern got better. We assume he either stayed with his dad, who's cool, I guess, or went back to his maybe alcoholic mom. It was hard to watch. I hate it. Yeah, it was... I'm I'm so glad I didn't have to watch this. We waited so long to do this one. Because now, like, this is going to be... We have two episodes left, Max. (gasps) This is going to put such a bad taste in my mouth for Laura Dern. No. Nah, I'll be fine. Just a bummer, man. Why'd she do this? A new pool or something? Gotta get paid. Yeah, isn't her goop money enough? Okay. Well. <laughs> Damn, you just killed Ooh. killed the shit out of that fly, my guy. Good yeah. for you. Got some fly guts on my pants now. Good for you. Hey, you can wash them. You wanna wash them real quick downstairs? Yeah, take nah. my pants off on Ooh. this porch. Nah, that's probably not a good idea. Oh. I know you don't wear underwear. They don't make them small enough. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, I just had to work it in. Doesn't even make sense. I know. So, do you want to know what we're watching next week for our penultimate episode? Yes. So, um, we have three movies left. They're all big derns, but you know, you don't want to see a suffering family member live on longer than they need to. <laughs> I'm so, I didn't mean... Put us out of our misery, I didn't mean... I, I mean, we both have family members that are, like, in and out of the hospital right now. That feels weird. I was thinking... I'm watching this show, Misfits. Amazing show. It's very... And the, the episode with the the, his, the one character's father, he finds him and he's dying of cancer, and his uh, half-sister, I guess it would be, is like has this power where he can keep her... She can keep him alive, but like he's suffering because, you know, he's dying actively. Like, that's what I mean. We shouldn't do that to our show. So I think next episode we'll do the two big turns. Last one, one big one. We're doing... We're finally doing the gynecology movie. Gynecology. <laughs> um... Dr. T and the women or whatever it's called. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I've been so excited to see that, but I've been waiting, so. You will watch Rambling Rose, and I will watch Daddy and Them. What is Daddy and I Them? I wish I knew, Max. You know how I do this. I write these down halfway through the episode, and then we research at the end <laughs> while people listen to us type on our phones and keyboards. Daddy and Them. Ooh, Billy Bob. Oh, my God. Billy Bob just keeps coming back. Ooh. Andy Griffith? This is kind of horny looking. Ben Affleck? Oh, wow. Jim Varney? Jim Varney? No, I oh, want to watch Daddy too and Too bad, dickhead. You're watching Ramblin' Rose instead. Isn't that like a super downer? Wait, Ramblin' Rose? I think so. I, I feel like we often talk about it, but I don't know what the movie's about. Let's see. Ram. Um, Daddy and Them. Since Let's start there. Ru- Ruby and Claude Montgomery are a very insecure and jealous couple who must help when Claude's uncle Hazel is jailed for attempted moita. Moita? He tried to murder Vern. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Ramblin' Rose. Ooh, Great Depression. Rough start. Darren and Robert Duvall. And of course, Diane Ladd. Hey, do me a favor and look at the images for Rambling Rose real quick. Just, it's just all roses. It's just actual rambling roses. There's not a single movie, a single picture from the film as far down as you go. Good lord. Oh, there's one. Robert Duvall from that Secondhand Lions movie. <laughs> what he's most famous yeah, for. Yeah, I love that movie. That's a good one. They have lions. And they're millionaires, secretly. Man, that's Boo Radley you're talking about. What? Boo no, Radley. Robert Duvall's in that, isn't he? Boo Radley's in... He's, he plays Boo Radley in To Kill a Mockingbird. Sure. Come on, Gregory uh, Peck. Yeah. The old one. Well, yeah, it's old. He was a very young man. That was his first movie. <laughs> Secondhand <laughs> Lions, Second you Lions asshole. is a great movie. I'm going <laughs> to watch it tonight. No, I'm not. I'm going to watch a spooky movie tonight, but... Secondhand Lions. I'm going to write that down, and I'll never look at these again. You gotta. Anyway, so... I guess uh, that's the Dern. Oh, wait. Actually, in my notes here, it says um, you have to watch Brave Town again. Oh, I would rather eat a rhino with a spoon. Whole thing. Good soup. That's what I do. Take days. So smelly. See you later. (laughs) See ya. Bye, Dern. Bye, Dern. (laughs)